Hey, hey, everybody. Hello. Good afternoon. That's right. You are listening to another episode of A Powwow with Pops coming to you from Gainesville, Florida, uh, through the interwebs. Uh, thank you so much for joining me today. It is uh, 2-18-2017. That was my computer just let me know that I need to reset Windows Defender Summary. I have no idea why. <laughs> um, and today uh, I'm joined by someone, I'm kind of nervous, I'm sorry, but uh, I'm kind of nervous about talking to you because this is uh, the fir- one of the first people um, that I saw as a bass player before I started, or right around the time I started playing bass, and I really couldn't figure out uh, the style that I wanted to play, or I wasn't quite sure of myself as a musician. And when I saw this musician play, I was kind of intrigued because it wasn't, to me, it was kind of like a old school style of bass playing where you, there was a push and pull with the band that she was in. Uh, also, a, a amazing, she, she, she knew how to stay right in the back line. And she just wrote it so nice and every, all the notes were tastefully done. I mean, my friends would always have conversations about how tastefully done the bass parts were. I guess we'd geek out about it, but um, but here she is. Today I'm joined by... Hey, this is Kim Coletta from uh, Jawbox. Hey, hi, how are you today? Good, you, you, seem real, you seem really good at this podcast thing. Are you sure you need my help? <laughs> no, I do, actually, yes, very much so. Well, I'm a, I'm a professional at talking. That's one thing that uh, I think you, if you were ever to meet any or talk to anybody that has known me, I definitely don't have a problem talking, and I definitely don't. I, have... I, I get that. I like that. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, and thank you so much for joining me today. I know you're very busy. Like you were saying, you have a a 15 year old. I noticed that you were. One thing I wanted to hit you with right away. You were at the marches in D.C. this this past few just a month ago, I, now, right? I was. I went down to the march. Um, obviously, I have the luxury of living in the D.C. area, so it wasn't super hard for me to get down there. Yeah. And um, there was never any doubt that I was going to go, and uh, it was amazing. We, we went down with about, there were probably the 11 or 12 of us, and we just walked to the metro and headed down. And even from the time we were on the metro, it was this amazing energy. Like we met this group of older women. They were probably in their late 60s, early 70s from Chicago who had come. And I don't know, it was just, just super inspirational. Right. Um, uh, and besides being inspirational, um, what were your, what do you think were your biggest reasons for going to this and, and, and kind of just kind of give a message to the people why you did it um, and the reasons why? And uh, yeah, just give us a quick little lowdown on that. all the time, and I don't know if you saw um, Jim Saw and Scott Crawford's movie, Salad Days. Yes, yes, I remember not. that. You've had a chance to see that? Yes. Okay, but I, I'm, in, I'm in there at the end of that movie oh, with wow. my younger self, <laughs> like, going nuts at a march, and, with, like, you know, when bands were playing, punk rock bands were playing. Is that the one and, with Fugazi? Did yeah, Fugazi play? Fugazi show. Yes, okay. Um, but... But it was all, but it was all part of a, this protest. And yeah. So I used to do a ton of protesting when I was younger, and I think, in a lot of ways, it is a young person's game. Yeah. But we've never really had someone like Donald Trump yes. be elected to president. You're very. I never thought I'd I'd long for the days of like Bush Jr. and Senior. Like, even even Reagan for that matter. That, yeah, like Reagan. <laughs> they all seem like really normal and, and pretty decent compared to this. <laughs> right. And, just living in D.C., I'm like, I've got to go to this march. And I also am trying to figure out ways of resisting mm-hmm. this administration that that work, you know, that work for me where I am at this point in life. Definitely. And kind of, you know, and I thought, start with the march. And, and the day before, during the inauguration, there have been less than pe- peaceful protests. And... I didn't know really what to expect the day of the march, but it was so crowded. Really, I think it was close to the most people who have ever been on the the National Mall. I think you're right. Yeah. But yeah, it was so it was so civilized. Yeah. Well, see, that was something I was talking. It's funny you said that because I was talking to somebody about that. I was like, it's funny that 
every time that women have marched throughout history, it always seems, I mean, I don't know, I wasn't around during suffrage times, of course, but in the history, and I'm probably not as well-versed in it as I should be, but, I mean, even during the 60s marching and stuff like that, the women's marches seem to be less violent than any time that men would, than when men, when men would march, actually. You know, it seemed well, like... It's funny, it's funny you say that because uh, one of the things I am is an eighth-grade English teacher at an all-boys all school. Okay. And there's... 700 boys at my school, and the book we're reading right now, and that I teach every year, is uh, Lord of the Flies by William Golding. Of course, yes. And if some people are familiar with that, basically Golding participated in World War II in England and was kind of horrified by what he saw, Mm -hmm. And, and he himself was a teacher, and so he writes a book about a plane crashing during World War II, and... The adults all die conveniently, and there's a bunch of boys ages 6 to 12 who are left on this island in the Pacific. And it's just what happens when the surprising factors are stripped away. Right. And so I read read an interview with Golding in which he said, you know, someone asked him, like, why were there no girls on the island? And he said, I didn't want that because girls and women can be a civilizing factor, and I wanted Mm -hmm. no trace of that. I wanted to see what boys alone would do without anything, any other trappings from their former life. Right. So, you know, listen, I also, I also teach U.S. history. Okay. And I will say to you, there were some women in the suffrage movement who didn't protest that peacefully. Right. But they were, were in the minority. And, you know, I'm not always really maybe against more extreme forms of protest. Right. Providing... No one's getting hurt or, hurt or killed. Correct. Um, I think that has its place in history too. Yes, it does. And may have it may even have its place now. Um, the, what happened during the inauguration? I don't really understand. You know, just lighting random cars on fire doesn't seem no, <laughs> no, highly effective. No, it doesn't. School, it never does. It, it's it seems more no, of it a. Never did because no, it's just silly because I mean, it's just people being very angry and, and channeling their anger and. One of my one of my favorite comedians said is it's usually when you get a bunch of men together like that it ends up being like a bunch of monkeys, you know, and the the aggression and the adrenaline and stuff and it seems like it feeds off of each other if you put those men together and then you have the 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 rival force you know say the police or whatever and those are largely men forces or man forces and like their adrenaline and they're you know they're pumped up as well so it's kind of like you're kind of it's a boiling yeah. point. It definitely can. And I always like to think of gender and gender behaviors as a spectrum. No, totally. We're going to have some men who lie all the way out on one side and some women all the way out on the other side. And what interests me more is like the coming towards the middle. Yeah. So I don't, I hate to generalize about men or women and their behavior, but. Just, march, up, just up to the point that you've seen. Yeah. Women and it was civilized, so that. Yeah, that cool. no, I I made that point exactly. I mean, I, that was very awesome, and I'm and thank you for marching. I mean, I mean, it, you did it. Uh, well, you know, it's not only not only did I march, but what was so interesting is I'm sure you're familiar with the pink uh, pussy hats. Yeah, totally. That were yes, knit by people. I'll say mostly women from all over the country, and they made their way to the DC area to, to local knitting stores. Yeah, it's so incredible. I, I suck at arts and crafts and things like, I don't knit. Yeah. So I went to my local knitting store, which ends up being this super cool place, and there were, they had just got a shipment of 500 hats, oh, wow. and each of them came with a message, like, I can't march for these reasons, but I hope you can represent me. So I no, totally. were able to take 10 of the hats, and so I took 10 of the hats, and my coworkers and friends all took them, and then we sent pictures to the, to the women who had knit them. Yes. Um, and oh, it was just super cool. I, that kind of connectedness is what really what we need more of, right? Yeah, and compassion as well. I would agree, I would say. Yeah, and, and compassion as well. And I, with the new Trump administration, every day yeah. is a fresh, a yeah. fresh horror. Oh man, let me tell you. If it wasn't so serious. It would be one of the Fun- funniest things it, ever, right? It would be a comedy movie of errors, most definitely. Right. I mean, it would. It's, it's really and like all of a sudden, you know mainstream things like Saturday Night Live, but down to, like, more obscure comedians. Like, it's, it's 
pure comic gold. Yeah, definitely, definitely. That's happening right now, but but yet there's such an element of truth to it. It's also scary as hell. Yes, it is. It's and and so, go and like, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. And I've lost my I've lost my train. Oh, that's okay. No, uh, so you get so you did this march and you guys were able to get these hats from women around the country that had knitted them for you and you were there to be able to pass them out and represent and so. You know, the biggest thing that stuck out to me about that march was that the amount of people around the country that marched in all different cities, which was very awesome, which was nice and a nice connective and cohesive thing for all women across the country to do, even though they were in separate places. And it was, they said, close to three million women in total that marched on that march. So it was. Uh, How about even beyond, like beyond the U.S. women yes, marching in other countries? Exactly. And, and I think that, that blew my mind even more. Because, you know, we have a vested interest in yes. what's going on, obviously, in our own country. But the fact that, you know, women in whatever, Australia, Italy, took the time to march, yeah. crazy. Yeah. Uh, speaking of, you've, you've always, you've always, you've, you've been to a bunch of protests. You were talking about that one we were talking about earlier, uh, back in the 90s. Um, and you said, did you grow up in the D.C. area? Oh, even, even in the late 80s, <laughs> which dates me a little bit, but... Um, no, I did not grow up in the D.C. area. I grew up in New Hampshire, but on the, on the Massachusetts border, so I was able to go to a lot of cool punk shows in Boston yeah. when I was in high school. I'm from but New then, Hampshire. Um, That's funny. Where are you from? Manchester. I'm from the lovely city of Nashua, New Hampshire. Yeah, actually, my family is from the outside. We're from Goffstown, right outside of Manchester. Yeah. That's funny, but I have to, I have to tell you, I, I moved away when I was 17. Okay. I came to college okay. here in the D.C. area, and I've, I've never left. Okay, so pretty much, did you did the D.C. area, did you, did you, even younger when you were in New Hampshire before you moved, was was there something about D.C. that was pulling you or calling you to it? Um, well, Georgetown University was calling me because I, I love anything international and I got into the school of foreign service okay there although my life path didn't exactly maybe go how I pictured it when I was 17 so this means uh, does that mean you were going to go into politics maybe no I don't I don't even know I you know it's kind of unknowable I think right. most teenagers have no idea <laughs> there's a rare few who are like I'm going to be a doctor and then they, they take this path and exactly they go and be I mean I, I think that's more the baby boomer generation. Yeah, definitely. And uh, not generations after that, Gen 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 X, and you know, on down to the millennials, like, <laughs> right? Kind of more circuitous <coughs> path. But one of the reasons I think DC is a couple reasons. One, it wasn't New Hampshire, which at that point was super boring to me. Right. And two, I didn't know much about the music scene, but I knew they had a really good music scene. I was like, yay! Right. So when I got into Georgetown, I was like, "I'm out of here." So, and, uh, so you hit Georgetown. Really Go ahead. I feel like I'm. I feel like I'm. Um, while I'm not a local in that I grew up here, right? I, I'm kind of a practically a native Washingtonian now because I right. spent my whole adult life here. Yeah, I mean, you you you've paid enough taxes there, <laughs> most definitely, to call exactly. yourself. Exactly. <laughs> I, I actually live in Maryland, just outside. Oh, do you really? Now. Okay. Okay. That's also, I got a friend that lives DC up there. D.C. itself is a really small city, and while yes, I have is. lived in D.C., um, I'm right on the border of D.C. and Maryland. Okay. And a lot of people live in Maryland and Virginia. It's, we, we have tons of suburbs. Yep, you just drive into there. town. Right, exactly. Um, so yeah. you moved to D.C. when you are 17. So before you moved to D.C., and you said you were from Ashawa, right? Na- Nashua. Nashua, yeah. sorry. New Hampshire. And so... What, what what was your high school? Were you like in the punk scene? Were you part of the punk? Yes. Okay, was it a big no. scene for you guys in New Hampshire? Or was there like more jocks and yahoos than there were punks? Or oh yeah, it was a small scene. So the I lot mean, of, yeah. Tiny. And I gotta say, it wasn't very accepting. Yeah. Like Yeah, I'm the same. I grew up in Sar- I grew up in Sarasota, Florida, and I graduated high school in '90. And I'm like, so I was in high school from '86 to '90, and it wasn't cool then to be punk rock in Sarasota. Like we get beat up all the time. Sarasota's pretty conservative. Yes, quite a bit. 
Hence me not living there anymore. Florida for many years. Ah, familiar with that area. There's a lot of musicians that live here that are from there as well. <laughs> it's really weird. See, this is this is why I decided I wanted to do something like this because so many people that live in Gainesville are travelers. You know, they're they're people that have come from somewhere else and ended up somewhere and kind of cross paths with these other different scenes that did the same thing and and art wise and music and everything like Gainesville you know is like the southern version of CBGB's you know it's like a southern weird punk rock area that doesn't make any sense in Florida you know it's like it's totally blue it's not it's you know we we have 120,000 democrats in this town and only 26 26,000 republicans so it's like a very yes it's it's, it's an odd little uh bastion of I know, definitely. I know. It's odd. It's odd. So, okay, so you go from the punk scene, very small punk scene in Nashua, New Hampshire. At Seventeen, you graduate. You go to Georgetown. Um, man, I can't believe. I mean, but, you know, I just started going to shows right away in DC. Okay. So I was, um, I was there from '84 to '88. Wow. And that's a good time to be there. It was such a great. It was. It was such a great time. Um, so who was, the, so the what was, Discord, yeah, no, so what was, uh, what was the first band that caught you in, in DC and you were like, holy shit, I want to be a part of this. I want to be, this is something that's just um, me pulling, that's pulling you in. There were lots of bands. I, I liked, uh, Righteous Spring. Okay. Um, of course. I, I really liked, um, this really oddball band called 9353. Okay. Which is much lesser known, but uh, we were all totally into them, and really just, you know, anything Discord was doing Definitely. was on my radar, and beyond that, though, I I loved what Homestead Records was doing and Touch and, Touch and Go, mm-hmm. like that was music that I really loved, okay. and so just being in a city, meant bands were touring all the time, so I loved the DC scene, but it wasn't always my cup of tea, but between the DC bands I liked... And all the touring bands. Yeah. It, it, I was go- I'm amazed I got through Georgetown. I mean, obviously I studied and I did fine, but yeah. I was going out sometimes five nights a week. Okay. And furthermore, um, <laughs> there were shows even on the campus. Oh, wow. Um, Guy, Guy Pachotto from, from Rice of Spring went to Georgetown at the same time I did. Oh, wow. And um, Jenny Toomey, who went on to... Um, do a label called Simple Machines mm-hmm. was, was there as well, and this guy Dave Grubbs was there. He was in a hardcore band from Louisville, Kentucky called Squirrel Bait, oh, and they were fantastic. <laughs> that's an awesome name. Got on to keep doing music, <laughs> right? And, and so there was a, like a nice little scene at Georgetown too. Now, look, I went from a fairly conservative New Hampshire right. to a fairly conservative university. We found, we found each other. Yeah. Cool. It's kind of that thing where no matter the scene that you go, the scenes that you end up in, the weirdos always find each other. They really do. You know, the weirdos always find each other and they always end up sticking together, you know? So it's like... It's, That's right. And so why I didn't have a ton of Georgetown University friends. I had a good handful of friends. I quickly made, became, became friends with people in the DC music scene. Right. From, being out, being out so much, and um, that was fantastic. So I ended up meeting Ian Mackay and right. becoming friends with him. And uh, after after Georgetown, when Jawbox started, what? So uh, when to, when did you all start exactly? Um, the year after I graduated, so we started in 1989. Oh wow! Oh wow! That's a crazy it year went, for music. It went, right, it went through 1997. Yeah, so eight man, because eighty nine and ninety, there was like a lot of change going on in music all over the country back then. Like it's such a weird. It was, it cool. was. and I mean, I, it's um, in a in a way, it's like it was so primitive and interesting to me because you had no internet, yeah, or cell phones. <laughs> yeah. So the ways of doing business was way different. Was literally all you could do was get into your van. And tour, yep. you wanted exposure. Yes, you could also mail your record 
to radio stations hoping they would play it. Yes, you could mail and hope zines would review. Yep. It was very DIY stuff, back then. But it really just, it took a tremendous amount of hard work and just touring. Yeah, so you guys, so when did you guys, so you guys started in 89, so how long before you all started playing out and touring? Was it pretty quick or did it take a year or oh, two to write really, a bunch? It was really quick. I mean, we had such a fortunate set of circumstances because I went to Ian, I was working at Discord Records at the time, and I said, hey, we want to put out a 7-inch, and are you interested in doing it on Discord? He said, well, you'll learn a lot more if we do it as a half-release. Half I'm sure you yeah. know about Discord did a lot of half-releases. Yep, yep. <laughs> so I started, I started a label called DeSoto Records, and so it was half DeSoto, half Discord, Oh, okay. And I enjoyed the process so much that I kept doing the record label. Oh, wow. Okay. Yes, and I still do it to this day. Like, I just put out 50 releases. Oh, wow, and, no kidding. Uh, That's amazing. See, the thing is, yeah, I, no. I, I didn't read... The only reason why I didn't... I, I'm going to tell you, I didn't research that much because I wanted... I find it more interesting when the person who actually did it tells me than reading it on, like, Wikipedia or something stupid like that. You know what I mean? Because you never know yeah, if no, you... I, if you ever get in the correct information online. So thank you. Um, that's So all of you out there that are listening, look up that record label. Check out what she's got on there and, you know, put throw some support. I'm going to check it out myself because, uh, you know, I kind of yeah, am glad. Yeah, I put, out some really cool, I put out some really cool bands over the years. And then then after that, we were on Discord yeah. for our first two records. And uh, I was working there. And be, when, because we were on Discord, Doors open for us. Yeah. Did Did and you don't find get it me wrong? There were still there were still plenty of shows where in the early days where you'd go and you'd be playing in standing water in someone's basement. <laughs> right. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Swing, swinging light bulbs <laughs> at you know five people. I, you know, it wasn't some kind of glamorous. No, it wasn't. Life. But then on the other <laughs> hand, we could play places like Gainesville and people started coming to the damn show and I'm like, this is amazing. Yeah. And yeah. Really like, I always feel really. Um, humbled by it but people still care about our band and we haven't played a show in quite some time you know what's so funny is I, i'm gonna i'm gonna tell you as an amazing to me. yeah uh, as an uber fan which i am i don't go a week without listening i like there's i have you on automatic always rotating through my music list and i'm a i'm a i'm a facilities manager at a charter school here in town and uh i, I, I get to Yes, I do. With 170 kids, <laughs> all oh, by myself. No. So, so it's really awesome. It's a predominantly black uh, charter school. Um, it's amazing. It's like two two blocks away from my house. The hours are from 10 to 6:30 every day. So it's a great job. I get to hang out with kids. Nice, nice life. Yeah, it's yeah. not bad. I'm lucky. I went to school for social work. I got a sociology degree, but I haven't quite got. I don't know. I'm only 45, so I got enough time to change jobs. So I got. You know what I mean. <laughs> Or just, I, you know. Listen, I have, listen, I have a sociology degree too. Oh wow, yours is a lot better than mine though. <laughs> mine's from a mine's from a very small college. <laughs> oh, whatever. I, I think I think after you get your first job, it doesn't matter where you went to school. To be honest with you, I think you know what's funny. You're right. I think I think life experience I've learned has as is a lot yeah. is a lot more important on a resume than school has been for me. Like my life experiences that I've been able to put down for him over the past twenty years, in comparison to going to school for ten, you know. Yeah, listen, I took my son to an admissions tour at Georgetown just because I, he had never seen it, and he's getting to that point where he's going to be looking at colleges. Yeah. And when they said what you need for you know grades and SATs to get in, mm-hmm. he looked at me and goes, "I can't." He goes, "I can't get into the school." And I looked at him and I go, "I don't think I can get into the school, school now." now. Right. <laughs> Seriously, right? It's just funny. I, it, no, that's that school's got. And yep. I, I do think we're, we're so lucky to live in the United States because there's like four thousand yes, definitely colleges and universities. So there's a school for everyone, and I really don't care about name school. Yeah, um, you, for my son, I just want him to have a good experience. You know, what's so funny is I'm going to make another reference to a comedian uh, that he, I just saw today. The we've been talking about what, what is your favorite comedian you referenced before? Okay, one of I have a lot of favorite comedians, but I like Joe Rogan, uh, Bill Burr. I like yeah. Mark Marin, uh, of yeah. course. Uh, um, what's his name? Anthony Jeselnik. Uh, 
Yeah, I know all these people. I'm, I'm totally into comedy. Yeah, and, I, and I'm actually going to see Bill Burr next Friday. He's coming to Gainesville, so I'm nice. going to go see him. So I'm really stoked on it. But, uh, yeah. I love, I love really dark humor, edgy comedy. Yes, Anthony Jeselnik. Yeah. An, an, that guy, Anthony Jeselnik, is the darkest. He actually did a special in San Francisco and made them laugh so hard at dead baby jokes. It was like, yeah. it was insane. Wait, who are you talking about right now? Who are you talking about? <laughs> Anthony Jeselnik. Okay. He's like a blonde, tall guy, you know, very trim, proper hair. You know, he's kind of thin, probably about like six foot blonde, blue eyes. Very, uh, I heard his, very I sarcastic. Heard stuff, so yeah, you have to have check to, it out. Um, if I don't remember the name, you'll have to send it to me. No, so I definitely I will. Check them out. It's hilarious. Excellent. Good stuff. But um, so you guys toured a bunch, I know. So how many years in total? We toured a lot. So were you guys, what, 200 a year band kind of thing? Like, did you guys tour seven not months that, a year? Or? Not that much. I think, I think when it's all said and done, we played about 700 shows. Oh, wow. Okay. So it was quite a lot. And some, some years were much more active yeah. than others. But uh, there were some years we were on the road, like, eight or nine months out of the year. And it's, it's interesting because uh, we, I think we were the exception to the rule in D.C. because while plenty of D.C. bands at the time toured, no one quite toured with the insane schedule we did. Right. Like, there were lots of D.C. bands that were more, like, kind of home homebodies. Mm-hmm. And, um, or, or the early Discord bands would play a little bit and then break up pretty quickly. Yeah. <laughs> we were really yeah. into the band. Like, it, and I think keeping a band together is really, really hard work because... It's a marriage. It's like a, it's like a psychological experiment because you're mm-hmm. with each other 24-7 in a small van. Yep. And it's just really an intense lifestyle. And yeah. it takes a certain crazy type of person to it be does. able to handle that. I mean, I actually roadied... I was Hot Water Music's first roadie. And, uh, okay. And uh, our first tour... Was across that we did across the country was in it was five of us in a in a small gray Chevy Astro van with all the equipment. I sat on a drum case for a month, and it yeah, was right. it, it was insane. And like was, we were driving across right. Texas, no air conditioning, and we were all in our underwear because it was that hot. Listen, I know it's not it's not particularly <laughs> comfortable. No. Or or and you're exhausted most of the time. But and you're pissed. <laughs> That's the point. For all of it, yeah, yeah, totally. No, every time I every time I got to see Hot Water Music play to a new crowd and win them over the way that they would every time we'd show up somewhere new, because you know they we'd show up and we were like some weird southern looking dudes with big beards and shit, you know, and like everybody else was clean cut at the time. Beards are pretty popular now, uh, <laughs> but it's like. When we'd show up, that was the thing that I enjoyed so much, and I remember is the connection that you'd make with the crowd and the love that they would show and the support because you'd show up somewhere broke, and yet you would leave that town with a full tank of gas and a full belly. That's right. right. And and, and to me, it was so amazing making personal connections as we kept touring the same places over and over. And these are people who are still my friends to this day. Like I have friends all over the country, and I feel... Uh, really lucky. Yeah, no, totally. And it's and it's the funny thing is is that it's like you're everyone's connected even though we're in different places, we're all connected through the same thing. It and I and I love that. And so so today with the internet, it's much easier of course to be interconnected. It's insane. Um and, and again, I'm not I'm not making any judgment statements like no, no. this way of doing business was better. This way, I don't really care. I don't. I don't fetishize like right. Final yeah. better than CD. Like I just care right. about music. I just care about connections, however they're made. Yeah. I, don't, I just whatever. It doesn't bother me. Yeah, yeah. But, um, it was it was a lot harder <laughs> in in that sense to like get connected. You had to really put the work in. And, mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's so great now on Facebook because our generation is all about Facebook. Yep. And it's funny because my son's generation. They won't touch Facebook with a ten foot pole because all the old people yeah. are on there. <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> it's but hilarious. My, my, I can say things about my son on Facebook because I, I know for sure he's not on, on there. Yeah, definitely not. It's not cool enough for him. <laughs> oh, oh God, no! 
like 20 second things like were that were, were they were they yeah. in like they're they talk to each other for like a very short period of time and then it's over you know it's like there's no there's no real connection uh, not not saying it's not a real connection for them but i think people they who did it the way that we did it is different they don't, they don't call each other either like none of them yeah like my son has a smartphone <laughs> and he never they text each other they never actually use a phone i know yeah it's hilarious it is Nor funny do they really watch TV. No, they're in the everything phone. Everything in their life is, you know, it's all about their screen, and everything they need is on YouTube, so yep. they don't really, it's just, I know it's cool, it's just different. Yeah, I love YouTube, though. I'm, a, I'm definitely a freak for YouTube. Speaking of YouTube, uh, I was just watching, I did watch some of your, um, some old videos of Jawbox, and I saw the time that you guys played on the Conan O'Brien show. Yeah. What was that like? I gotta well, ask you that. That must have been that must have been pretty exciting because that was a young Conan. Conan <laughs> we played Conan O'Brien, and then I think in two thousand and oh, I'm not gonna remember the year, but more recently, the Jimmy Fallon people asked if we would reunite and go play on his show. Holy and shit! It, the, the experiences were really like night and day because yeah, Conan O'Brien he didn't give a shit about Jawbox, and right? He, he kind of. He's not a cold person, but he's he's not like Jimmy Fallon's a very warm right. person. Like makes an he loves music like Jawbox, and he actually had seen us with like Jimmy Garofalo and maybe Ben Stiller and oh shit in New York. Like those people were in to the indie rock music scene, right? Right. In a way that Conan O'Brien didn't Wasn't, yeah. care about stuff like that. So it was <laughs> much more of a clinical experience. Okay. Because it seemed clinical. That's why I was asking. <laughs> it was. It was. And Jimmy Fallon, with, with the roots, were there supporting us. And, yeah. you know, friends went to see us. It was much more warm and fuzzy. Yeah. So, but, you know, I, those things, like Conan O'Brien, I, I enjoyed all our experiences, both yeah. on Discord and on Atlantic Records. Everything, to me, is just, I don't know, cool, interesting things in life. Like, you take right. different things out of where you are at different parts of your life. And I think, I like that. Yeah. Those experiences that... I like, I like, I like change. Yeah, so, definitely. And I think that's one of the reasons we survived as a band, because we weathered a whole lot of change fairly yeah. successfully. No, it's, you know, the thing is, is like, I, I, when I introduce you guys to somebody who's never heard you before, even nowadays, there, I mean... It, this sounds silly, but I think bands like like Jawbox and there's quite a few other '90s bands that I would have to co- pull out as well. That you know, along the same vein as you guys, that that toured as much and did as much. You guys would still be relevant today, if not more. I think it, you know what I mean. The music, the indie music now is Thank such you. is such a it's and it's it's not like old young kind of thing. It's just we know music's cyclical and it has its changes, but it, it it's. The music that you, I think, you can, yeah, it's still, it's still relevant. It still fits. It still, I mean, it still makes young people dance, you know, like when you first play it for them. And that's the one thing I always loved about Jawbox is it was a groove for me to dance to. I loved the way that you played the bass. I loved the well, push and pull. Especially and the... um, when Zach Brokus joined as our second drummer, and that was our only really lineup change ever. Yeah. He, he just... His drumming swings. He's a beast. Like that's, he's a beast. Yeah, he's and a beast. So he made my bass playing better just by being in his presence. Right. Pretty he, amazing. Um, his and, his and abilities. Our, our first drummer was great too, but it was much more straight ahead. Right. Rock beat. Yep, yep. Um, so everything got a little different. Yeah, <laughs> it's, you know, it's kind of... Like two, two, okay. Here, you're besides you, besides Jawbox from that time period. My second favorite band of that time period was uh, Shudder to Think. Love them. Fucking amazing band. I love. I, I just listened to them the other day. I, I, I listen to them I, all the time I, as well. I'm very, very good friends with um, Mike Russell, who's their first drummer. Yeah. He and I actually play softball together. Okay. We, we we have a punk rock softball team that's been going for. Oh, I don't know, almost 25 years. Holy shit, what's the name of the team? Oh, no, it's not a name team. It's a bunch of us who get together. Oh, it's just one of those. <laughs> right, 
Okay. Ian Mackay plays. It's a very personal little. Right. I'm not saying it's secretive. No, no, I got you. We don't play as part of a league. Yeah, yeah. It's a scrimmage. Gotcha. And uh, it's been so it's so dear to our hearts that a bunch of. That's awesome. Punk rock people play together, and some people who are just more tangential to the music scene. But definitely, it's really cool. No, that and sounds so fun. Mike Russell was the first drummer, and that band just was awesome. And we've got to do a whole tour with them. Tell me, can yeah, I'm gonna ask you about that if you if I could. I didn't get to see that tour, which I'm very sad. Um, what were? Yeah, no, yeah, poor baby. Um, but where's where were some of the your favorite shows that you had with those guys? Like, where, where were some of the ones that you were like, holy shit, this is going to stay with me for the rest of my life? Like, this show, something about this show, or, you know, is there any of those shows that you had that were just, that just stuck out to you? Well, Craig was really, the, the singer Craig was really, he's, he's a, such a smart, eccentric, interesting guy, and he, he, he was always out there. Like, he, when others were just being punk rockers, mm-hmm. he was kind of almost ahead of his time. He'd, he'd be gargling, like, lemon ginger tea and doing right. yoga and doing breathing exercises, stuff that, like... People are doing now. I don't really remember a specific show. More, like, the aura of the whole thing was just so... Was he was he sophisticated? Like sophisticated beyond his years? Do you think? Um. Yeah, I think in a way he was kind of. He was a really. I don't know if mature is the right word because I think we were all kind of mature in a way. Like we're and maybe mature is also wrong. We were really geeky and nerdy. I think both right. Both fans. Yeah, yeah. Um. But but Craig is just kind of otherworldly in a way. Okay. In a way that I really. He's still active in music, writing. He's written a lot of soundtrack music that's in, like, popular Hollywood films. Like, he's yeah, yeah. just the real deal of musicianship. But what, I, what stands out, really, is that we're hanging out. It's such a good tour. Right. It's just great friends. And then at the, at the last show, and I can't remember where it was, but it was not a big city, that... Adam, our drummer, announced to us that he was quitting and oh, joining wow. Shudder to Think. Oh, wow. So, wah, wah. Yeah, right? And, uh, <laughs> we were really, really taken aback ba-bum, by ba-bum, that. Um, that is a big smack in the face. <laughs> but, you know, I feel like I'm not going to give you everything happens for a reason, but really, I think... all works out, right? Zach Brokus was just meant to happen. No, totally. No, yeah, yeah. I mean, it seems so. It seems such a natural transition to him, and it sounds like seriously, this his drumming, boom, like yeah. Because so, as a bass player or wannabe bass player, uh, I played in bands for about fourteen years. I like I told you earlier, I attempted to do it. We I played with kind of the same guys off and on for about thirteen years, and we did a bunch of like variations of a three piece band. You know, <laughs> like we changed our sounds and everything. Uh, you guys, I'm, I'm a big bass and drum fan, of course, and I, I always think they're the backbone of the band, um, and they're the ones that you know don't have to. <clears throat> you know, there's there's such a, for me, guitar is great, but without the bass and the drum, it's no go. So, um, do you, no, did I'm you? I'm with you. I, I love I love bass and drums. I mean, just you're right. It's just a beautiful part of foundation of a band yeah it's because it i think to me it it builds the 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 rhythmic motion of what the person's going to feel that 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 like kind of like you're setting up that train motion you know you're getting the body movement and you're getting the you're trying to get to that heartbeat you know that 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 bpm that you want to hit them right and and then the guitars are just like these crazy additions (laughs) you know for people for to me, they sound. What do they sound like? They're like the birds in the air around the the big important animals, like the elephant and the rhinos and stuff. They kind of. That's what it kind of reminds me of. You know, you have your land animals. Oh, I like your analogy. The the land animals are like the bass and the rhythm and stuff like that, and the birds are like the guitars and the singers. <laughs> you know, so I'm the I'm a land animal. 
<laughs> for sure. I'll land down a little bit too. For sure. So, um, oh, so yeah, I go must, ahead. Before you go on, I must ask you: Is is Jason Black still living in Gainesville? No, actually, he's in. I think he's in Saint Augustine now. Saint Augustine, okay. Florida. Yeah, he lives there. He, I think, he was living in New York for a while, and then he, uh, yeah, he's staying in Saint Augustine now. I actually texted him not that long ago, which was like the first time I've spoken with him in like six years, really. Uh, and so, um, yeah, he's just been busy doing his thing. You know, it's like, that's the one thing that I, I kind of, I like about our scene and, and the, the connections that I've made over the years with the people. Cause it's like, I can go six or seven years without seeing somebody. And then when we see each other, we can just hop back into it. You know, it's like, there's never, there's no weird, you know what I mean? Like, it's such a good it's such a, I think weirdos understand each other in that way. Like, hey man, I'm going to go off for a while. You know, I'm going to go do my thing. And then, oh, that's cool. You know, give me a holler when you get back. You know, it's like, it's a very open, it's a very open scene. Uh, and it's something that I find uh, is another thing yeah, that we, connects all of we us. Al- we always enjoyed our Gainesville shows. They were, they were always cool. We got so lucky. You guys came, Peg Boy. You know, and like we got to see all those great bands like that at that time that came through there. And it's like being a Florida boy, not a Florida boy originally, but growing up in Florida. I mean, I grew up my, you know, my parents were right wing Republican Christian rednecks, technically. Okay. And uh, uh, very, very right wing, like 700 Club, you know, uh, Southern wow. Baptist, Southern Baptist. Like I, they raised me in the Southern Baptist Church. Uh, to, and then when I turned 16, I stopped going. So, <laughs> I, 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 I gather you've gone down a different path from your parents. Yeah, we don't. We actually haven't, I haven't spoken to my parents in about three years. Yeah, it's tough. That's tough when you become so different. Yeah, it, that, you. yeah, it's definitely it. Uh, it definitely it's one of those things that uh, you know now being forty five, I'm and through lots of therapy, I've been able to get to a very comfortable place with it. You know, but uh, it took therapy. You know, like I had to spend a little bit you of gotta, money you to. Gotta, you gotta do what you gotta do. <laughs> exactly, I had to spend a little bit of money to fix myself. You know, but it's not bad. That, that it's com- that combination you named of the things growing up—that's a lot. Yeah, it is, it, especially if you're someone who's artistic at heart, and that was always, yeah. and it was always very pushed down a lot when I was a kid. Uh, kind of in a I way. Mean, that's the problem, I think. All of those things, maybe. No, I shouldn't even say that. I was going to say on their own, they might not be that bad. But it, it, it is when you try to repress someone's creativity, mm-hmm. it sucks. Yeah, it's it's a bummer. You know, it's like I tried so hard to be an artist, and it was like, no, you're either going into the Marines or you're getting a, you know. I mean, I grew up lower working class poor. You know, we were that the rich part of Sarasota. We were the rednecks of Sarasota. You know, like. Yeah, there's, there's, there's that part in every Florida town. Yeah, so it's like we're the more, like I grew up, you know, with eight people in a two-bedroom apartment with my grandparents. Like that's how we lived for a long time. So before my mom, because my mom was a single mother until I was six. So uh, she was okay. a hippie. She was a hippie. She was, she got pregnant in 1970 with me. She was 20. Uh, she was an army brat. My grandfather was in the service for 20 years. So uh, she kind of had a wild hair and got pregnant and didn't want to get married. And she, you know, was a hippie and she traveled the country and she hung out with bikers and did cool shit like that and went and saw Led Zeppelin and Pink Floyd. And my God, then what, what happened? She, she met my stepfather. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 knew, I, knew the answer, I knew the answer to that question. <laughs> I know, it was so easy, right? But, uh, so I know, right? It's so funny. So as towards the end of Jawbox, um, did you, was this a decision throughout the the group that you guys were just like, yeah, we've done what we wanted to do, kind of thing, and let's yeah. move on? Yes, that's that pretty. Was it. That's was pretty no, awesome. There was no big fight. There was no. It was more like we were old. We had done it for all of our twenties and into our thirties, right? And I think. Everyone just wanted to try new things yeah. in life. Yeah. And that, that was it. It was no dramatic moment. And it's funny, right now, for the first time ever, maybe, there's some talk of playing again. And I don't want to be a tease here because right. I also know us. <laughs> happen. Right. It also may not happen. Right, right. I couldn't, I can't say 
now. But at least we're talking about it. Please talk about it and come to Gainesville, Florida. Please, 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 please. <laughs> I guarantee you, you would we, you would be playing to a packed we show. The, <laughs> we were always the band that never skipped Florida. And, and lots of bands, because the way yes. Florida is hanging off of the United States would just skip that. <laughs> yes. Don't want to mess with we that dick, did. right? We, we, we're the, the chumps who would always go down all the way to Miami. Like That's crazy. Just play Tallahassee and Gainesville and... Most of them would just wouldn't go wouldn't go further south than Tampa. No, I know. But yeah, that, for the longest time. That's see, that's awesome, you guys. See, that's the thing. I think that's why, out of a lot of the bands from your era, that you guys are more well known in Florida than most of the other bands from your time that's period. Right, because we made an effort to hit that on every tour, and it isn't always easy to like make it down to Miami. No, no, especially because it's a fucking far fucking drive. That's why. <laughs> Jesus Christ. But yeah, and also. <laughs> University in Tallahassee and the Hardback Cafe in Gainesville, like all the Florida sh- shows are fucking strange. Yeah, really. No, they are. They, you... Tampa, Tampa had their metal, their metal scene. Yep. For a while, we had some success playing in St. Pete. Right. Um, but the shows we played in Tampa, like we played with, like what the hell was that metal band? Corrosion of Conformity. I guess kind of. Are you serious? You played with Corrosion. <laughs> That's so awesome. Yeah, we opened for COC, and it was like fucking terrible like some of our Florida shows were just like what are we doing here but right. we did it no it's awesome that you did you guys took you guys took the freaking the challenge and you came down to Florida I mean it's like I said it's not easy the Florida is no, we, is very repellent no, we, to outsiders it seems <laughs> it, it, it is in, it is a lot of ways and we, and I, I won't lie we had some very sketchy parts didn't you odd shows yeah I'm sure you guys came across some sketchy shit sometimes too. I mean, there's I'm sure there's some small towns you're like, nope, we're not stopping there, because <laughs> there's some yeah, small um, there's some small towns I won't I stop know. in in Florida. <laughs> Honestly, you could get in any of the 50 states, so I don't. Right. Florida more so than any other place in one year, but. Yeah. The good, the good, the bad, and the ugly, as I like to say. No, right, and all of it. That's, that's the United States for you. So you, so you get done. You guys, you guys call it, call it a do. Everybody goes on to do their own thing. Um, is, is that when you, okay, and you, you've been, you, throughout this time you're doing your record label, you continue it. Did you, did you try to play with any other bands or did you try, is it, or did you go into teaching? Oh, it's funny because Zach, our drummer, has always played music and, and Jay Robbins went on to be in a bunch of other bands yeah. that were, you know, successful and now Bill Burbo, um, the other guitarist and singer, he's playing in a new band. I don't know what it is about me. I just never... I still play music. I have my bass. Right. I love music. I have never been in a band uh, since Jawbox. And I don't know why. I really don't. I the You know what? The first guys that I played with after we stopped playing together, I never played with anybody else ever again either. Yeah, I don't know. I it's a weird a thing. Of, I started doing a lot of other things. And I, <laughs> I became a mother. And, yeah. and being a parent is... Full time. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it, it really is in a lot of ways, and I want to say it's a, a gratifying time suck. <laughs> right, <laughs> or you, or you could call it a gratifying bubble. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. A time bubble. But, um, but now it's funny now that Nick Nick is older. Yeah. He has a little independent life now, and I think now for the first time in many years, I'm like, wait, I I actually have a little more free time than I, I've had for many years. Right, right. So so you're probably, so you're getting the itch and, and that, so, and you were taught, saying that you guys might do something, which, uh, that'd be kind of cool if you did. Uh, yeah, you have me <laughs> down on this podcast. I do, that. I do. And, uh, you know, and just to let you know, I get more than two listeners a week. Just so you know. <laughs> Excellent. You get at least a dozen. Yes, at least a dozen. At least a dozen. <laughs> so, um, that's all I could ask for right now. Jeez, it's. I mean, I'm surprised anybody has. It's funny that my wife told my wife is the one that told me to do this. She's like, "Listen, you never shut up. Start a podcast." So I started the podcast, and it and actually within the past two years, my listenership has doubled. So it's kind of like, it's, congratulations. Thank you. It's doing its own thing. Like you just have to keep doing it, and I don't see myself ever shutting up anytime soon. So <laughs> no, you're. Yeah, and I appreciate you. You know, I'm actually. It's like I don't want to take your time anymore. 
I, you know, I try to keep them around an hour. Um, yeah, but perfect. it's three fifty-five, and I thank you so much for doing this, Kim. Uh, thank, thank you, Jason. It was great talking to you. Um, before you go, um, folks out there and, who are listening, just know that Kim is still rocking. The kid, the kids <laughs> out. The kids out. She's gonna get rocking again. They're gonna get in the van. They're gonna come down to Florida. They're gonna they're gonna visit us hopefully. Uh, she's doing her record label again. Could you shout out to your record label again? What is it? Uh, DeSoto Records. DeSoto Records. So, folks, please check that out. Uh, I'm sure. Um, uh, do you have your own, do you have your own web page and everything? I'm sure you have all that fancy technology yeah, stuff. Yeah, there. Yeah, awesome. So, folks, please check that out again. Kim, thank you so much for doing this. You've made uh, one. Of, you've made me a happy fanboy. Uh, let me tell you, uh, you like I said, and it's funny. The night before you played in Gainesville, we went and saw you in St. Augustine the night before. Augustine, Bright Lights, Big City. Yeah, we you guys played there the night before because Jason's like, I'm gonna go see Jawbox in St. Augustine. You want to go? And we got shit. We drank all the way from Gainesville to St. Augustine, so we were pretty shit pound by the time. Thanks for doing that. You know, I, I, I have to say this about our Florida fans. Yeah. They would come and sometimes some of them would do four or five shows. Yeah. And just drive from place to place, and I was I was always re- really excited to be in Florida. In that respect, like we had some great fans. Yeah, because they because they knew what yeah. they knew that we appreciated you guys. You guys were, you guys are, and still, I mean, a big part in my life. And I'm 45 fucking years old, and I will. I don't think I'll ever stop. I don't know. There's no way I'll ever stop listening because I, I listen to it every you're week. Doing, you're doing fine, Jason. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. And again, Kim, uh, good luck with everything. I'll be in touch with you, Thank of you. course. I'll send you some uh, comedy Wonderful. stuff about that stuff we were talking about with the comedians. And I'll even let you even let you know how Bill Burr was. So, uh, good luck with your son getting into college, wherever he chooses. I hope he gets into, and uh, the best of luck in life. And I'll talk to you soon. Take care. Take care, Kim. Take care. Bye. Bye. All right, folks. That was it. That was my long-awaited interview with Kim from Jawbox. Uh, it was amazing. I appreciate you all for listening. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, it was one of, is it's up there with any of them. You know, uh, I made a great connection. We were tight. It seems like we're both from some New Hampshire. Crazy. Uh, that was kind of fun to find out. But uh, yeah, so you guys check it out. Uh, take care of each other. Watch each other's backs. Uh, I love you. Hashtag no dapple. Hashtag not my president. Uh, hashtag. Put the guns down, pigs. Uh, Anything else uh, against the military state? But uh, you all take care. Again, watch out for each other. I love you all. I appreciate you all so much. Peace. Deuces.